Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Shri <laughs> Namaste Saraswati Devi, Gauravani Pacharya, Nevi Shesha Shinivari Pasritya Rishacharya.
Hare Krishna, everyone, dear devotees. We are studying Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 8, entitled Dhruva Maharaj Leaves Home, Text 37. Padam Prebhuvan Krishnam. Jigisha Sarvat Mame, Bruhya Smatitri Brahman, Anyar Apyana Dishitam, Param Tribhuvanakrishtam, Jigisha Sarvat Mame, Bruhya Smatitri Brahman, Anyar Apyana Dishitam. Would anyone like to chant the Sanskrit verse? Padam tri buvanot kristam gisho sadu partmame bruhiyashmat pitribir brahman aniair api anadish titam. Thank you. Anyone else? Very well. We shall do words and meanings. Padam, position. Tribhuvana, the three worlds. Utkrishtam, the best. Jigisha, desirous. Sadhu, honest. Vartma, wait. Me, unto me. Bruhi, please tell. Asmat, our. Pitribhi, by the forefathers. The father and grandfather. Brahman, O great Brahmana, Anyai by others, Api even, Anadishtitam, not acquired. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. O learned Brahman, I want to occupy a kingdom more exalted than any yet achieved within the three worlds by anyone, even by my fathers and grandfathers. If you will oblige, kindly advise me of an honest path to follow by which I can achieve the goal of my life. Please repeat. O learned Brahmana. O learned Brahmana. I want to occupy a position I want to occupy a position more exalted than any yet achieved. More exalted than any yet achieved. Within the three worlds by anyone. Within the three worlds by anyone. Even by my fathers and grandfathers. Even by my father and grandfather. If you will oblige. If you will oblige. Kindly advise me of an honest path. Kindly advise me of an honest path. To follow. To follow. To follow. By which I can achieve the goal of my life. By which, by which I can achieve the goal of my life. When Dhruva Maharaj refused to accept the Brahminical instruction of Narad Muni, Naturally, the next question would be, 
what sort of instruction he wanted. So even before Narad Muni asked, Dhruva Maharaj expressed his heartfelt desire. His father, of course, was the emperor of the entire world. And his grandfather, Lord Brahma, was the creator of the universe. Dhruva Maharaj expressed his desire to possess a kingdom better than those of his father and grandfather. He frankly stated that he wanted a kingdom which had no competitor within the three worlds, namely the higher, middle, and lower planetary systems. The greatest personality within this universe is Lord Brahma, and Dhruva wanted position even greater than his. He wanted to take advantage of Narad Muni's presence because he knew very well that if Narad Muni, the greatest devotee of Lord Krishna, could bless him or show him the path, then certainly he would be able to occupy a more exalted position than any person within the three worlds. Thus, he wanted help from Naradji to achieve that position. Dhruva Maharaj wanted a position greater than that of Brahma. This was practically an impossible proposition. But by pleasing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, a devotee can achieve even the impossible. One particular point mentioned here is that Dhruva Maharaj wanted to occupy an exalted position, not by hook or by crook, but by honest means. This indicates that if Krishna offered him such a position, then he would accept it. That is the nature of a devotee. He may desire material gain, but he accepts it only if Krishna offers it. Dhruva Maharaj was sorry to refuse the instruction of Narad Muni. Therefore, he requested him to be merciful to him by showing a path by which he could fulfill his mind's desires. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militamina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadada Shri Vasari Gurvaktavrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Vanchakalpa, Tarubhyasya, Deepasindubhyevacha, Patitanam, Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavibhyo, Namo Namaha. What's the latest news about little prince Dhruva in the forest. Narad Muni, even Narad Muni, despite all the arguments and the points he put forward for Dhru to make Dhruva change his mind, what happened? Did he convince him to go back to the palace? Because Narad Muni came to the little boy in that lonely forest and he put forward arguments like, why are you here? You should be home. You should be in the palace. Your parents, they, they are probably missing you. Your mother, she's worrying like anything. You're here in this 
dangerous forest. Why don't you just go back home to your mom? And be satisfied, be tolerant, accept your karma. I don't think you can do this. This is my opinion. Even great, great, great mystic sages who dedicated their life to yogic mysticism, for many births, they've tried this out, this process, and they, they feel, leave this. When you get older and you go through the different stages of life, the different ashrams, <clears throat> then you can come back to the forest. So he put forward all these persuasive points to little five-year-old Druva. And what was Druva's response? He says, oh, learned Brahman in the text today, every single word in the Srimad Bhagavatam is very pregnant, very significant, lots of meaning to it. Lord uh, Narad Muni, he had outlined the process to Dhruva Maharaj, Dhruva Maharaj should act in a Brahminical manner. So Dhruva, he, what did he do? His, he stood his ground. He did not change his mind. Narad Muni failed to convince him. And Dhruva Maharaj, he felt, he felt a bit badly about that. So he apologized, I'm sorry, I can't follow your advice, this Brahminical advice, oh learned Brahmin. You know, he's giving him Brahminical advice. The I can't follow that. And um, then right off, he refused and stood his ground. He, he refused to break his resolve. He very coolly and frankly told Narad Muni what was his aim. And in that way, he just casually, coolly asked for the unthinkable. He dropped this bombshell that we're seeing this morning. He says, oh, learned Brahmin, I want to occupy a position more exalted than any yet achieved within the three worlds by anyone, even by my fathers and grandfathers. If he will oblige, kindly advise me of an honest path to follow by which I can achieve the goal of my life. So what he was asking for seemed impossible. He was asking as a person who's pious and coming to Krishna as an Artharti, he was asking for the greatest, the greatest material boon that any Artharti can ask for. So he was like the absolute Artharti. Who is another Artharti? This is one of the four pious people who surrendered to Krishna. You know, the four of them, the distress, the desire of wealth, the inquisitive, he who is searching after knowledge of the absolute truth. So Dhruva fell into the category of the distressed. He was extremely distressed by, by Suruchi's barbed, harsh words where we see she's envious of his entitlement. He's entitled to the throne, but she, she's envious of his entitlement. And that happens in the material world. People want to deprive you of your entitlement and say, oh, you have to start again. Respect has to be earned. Start all over again. So he was chafing under that. And for so many reasons, we see that he's, he said, you, your words can't touch my heart. You know, so this is what I want. This is my aim. 
And he dared to ask for the impossible, which was not within the cosmic manifestation as it is at the time. He's asking for a kingdom. He's like, I don't want your ki kingdom. You can take your kingdom. I don't want that. If that's why you have to be so mean to me. So he's telling them, I want a kingdom that is greater than there is in this cosmic manifestation within the 14 worlds, within the three worlds, the upper planetary systems, the middle planetary systems, the lower planetary systems, all the kingdoms there, I want one better than that. I want an exclusive kingdom. So he's like the supreme personality of our authority. He's as he's desiring the greatest wealth. And it seems like it's a child's fantasy. But is it, if we examine the character of Druga Mirage, he's not a two-dimensional figure, but he's completely real and whole, more than three-dimensional. Why uh, He's asking for what seems the impossible, that it's absurd, it's just childish, childish talk, childish babble. But why shouldn't he ask for the impossible? Children, they do that. Oh, I want the moon, give me the moon. And they start to cry. There is Lord Ramachandra. He was crying for the moon and he was inconsolable. What could they do? They had to get a mirror and show him. And it kind of pacified him a bit. Children, they have a sense that anything is possible in the world. So that childish part, he's such a precocious child, so wild, you know. He, that child, the childish side of Dhruva Maharaj, for him, the impossible was quite logical according to his logical reasoning. Very, very logical. I want the greatest kingdom ever. And children, they have that sense that anything is possible. They don't have to dis suspend their disbelief like, like adults. And adults, they do that also. You'd see a child, for example, sitting down looking at Sesame Street and they're completely absorbed. They're, they're spellbound. You see, they're looking at two characters. There is a Big Bird and he's talking to Miss Piggy and they're trying to resolve an issue. There's a strain on their relationship. And the child is not in any way phased, is not bothered that they're using human intellect, human discourse in trying to do some problem solving. So the child, the child has that, that sense that it, it, his reasoning is different from an adult. Children, as we know, their sense of logic, their sense of reason. And that childish reason that Dhruva Maharaj had to ask for something that seemed preposterous, actually that childish reason, it strengthened his belief that he could achieve the goal to get an exclusive kingdom like that. So on one hand, we see that precocious child, that child prodigy, Dhruva Maharaj, he's asking for what seems impossible, but that that belief, that strong faith that he has, it is tempered. It is tempered by that adult, like old soul side of him, that facet of him. It's like that adult side of the man-child. 
So his belief, it plays along very well with his reason, his intellect, which has been shaped and molded by his parents and the environment from which, from which he comes in. So now the latest for him, the latest news in the Bhagavatam is he's not satisfied with any kingdom anywhere in existence in the cosmic manifestation. That's not enough. He's so ambitious. He's too ambitious. He wants an extraterrestrial or extra, extraterrestrial kingdom. And again, we might think, well, this is just a child and he will fret over it. He'll have a tantrum perhaps, you know, be petulant and then he'll forget about it. But it's not like that with Dhruva Maharaj. He takes it very seriously because we see not only does he express his desire to Narad Muni, but he is very well aware of who he's speaking to. He understands, he has heard from that environment that he came from, that social environment, that this person is a powerful person. This person has the ability to help me. This is Narad Muni. He's a great sage among, the great Rishi among the demigods. He is Krishna's representative. He has the power to give me what I want. So his Kshatriya spiritual, his nature, he's seizing the opportunity. He's taking the chance. He's not one to procrastinate. He's taking the chance. This person can help me. So he's very practical. He's not just childish. All that is there. He's not just practical. He's not just being like, it seems like he's facetious, like a facetious. No, he's not like that. Along with that, along simultaneous with that, he is calculating things properly. He understands who this person is and he's very practical. He's asking advice from this person. He knows how to ask. He's like so respectful and he takes a humble position. He has humility, he understands his need self. And that's why uh, it's said that those who are pious surrender to Krishna. We can see his piety coming out there. He comes from a family of illustrious devotees also. So he has training, he has et etiquette, he has appreciation, and he has his humility. So he, he submits himself. Unlike others in the material world, sometimes one is in distress or one is desirous of some material acquisition. But one on one's own, as the rugged individual would try to achieve one's goal uh, on, on one's own strength and prowess. But Dhruva Maharaj, he's more intelligent than that. So we see there's a nice uh, balance between reason and belief in that little prince, Dhruva Maharaj. He understands that I need help. I need to take shelter of this person. I'm actually so fortunate. So let me grab the opportunity and take shelter of Narad Muni. So he frankly admits this is this is what this is my aim. Yes, it's materialistic. Yes, and I'm coming to you. Could you please help me? If you will oblige, kindly advise me of an honest path. You see, it's very noble, honest path to follow. 
give me an honest part, like he's negotiating as we heard before. He's actually negotiating like an adult, the adult facet of him, negotiating with Narad Muni, like, could you please help me? Could you advise me what to do? Give me a process, some methodology by which I can achieve this goal of my life. I, I have it in my system. I can't be Brahminical. It's not my nature. I have it in my system. And uh, uh, please give me advice. So he understands that he his great fortune. So he understands his great fortune. He takes advantage of it. So he has the faith. And then what is real faith? Prabhupada says real faith is one. Real faith is when one has, engages in some activity. It's not just we have the faith, but we act on that faith. And that's exactly what Dhruva Maharaj wants to do. <clears throat> Everything that Dhruva Maharaj does is so inspirational and instructive to us, very, very pertinent. And our situation, in many ways, we are we have similarities to Dhruva Maharaj. He's, he's actually representing like he's a prototype of someone who wants a material acquisition, but is pious enough to go to the Supreme Lord for it. So there's so many similarities between the conditioned soul, the typical conditioned soul and Dhruva Maharaj. There's those souls, conditioned souls, who are, who are fruitive. They have a lot of material desires and their desires, it, the similarity between Dhruva Maharaj's desire and theirs is like, his might seem absurd and the Jiva's desires they seem absurd also. Uh, for us, they might seem very reasonable, very logical, but in against the context of Vedic philosophy and eternity, our desires are equally absurd and e even more absurd than Dhruva Maharaj's. So can anyone give an example of desires that we have, big desires, huge desires, and we think they're, they're quite uh, valid, but indeed they are preposterous. Can anyone give any example of that, please? Desires that are burning in our hearts that we want to fulfill, but they're actually futile. Hi, Krishna. <laughs> uh, how can I give a desire that somebody else had? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think it was Walt Disney wanted to um, preserve his body so that um, in the future when science was, you know, like, so advanced, they could uh, revive him and take care of whatever, you know, he died of. So uh, that was like his thing of um, be, be being immortal, more or less. So it was really preposterous. <laughs> preposterous is a nice example. Yeah. Yeah, it seems uh, drastic <laughs> what he did. It's like unbelievable, but people can do that. Any other examples? Uh, pe pe uh, Mataji, people want to explore outer space. 
they're planning to go to the uh, to to go to Mars and inhabit Mars and uh, it, uh, I think this is this is uh, what is the word you used Pre preposterous preposterous yeah yes I I have the idea maybe I am wrong and correct me if I am wrong but I have the idea that the exploration of outer space is no better than a preposterous proposition going to Mars, trying to inhabit Mars and other planets and other places in the outer space. Thank you. Yes, Prabhupada said you have to get a body to suit the atmosphere of a particular planet, which human beings, as of yet, they do not have. They cannot go on those planets uh, in a technical way, but one has to go according to Vedic knowledge by one's qualification. Spiritual and the proof that it is preposterous, it is that uh, the uh, the machine they're using. Sometimes it happens. The machine they're using. What what is the 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 name for the machine they used to go the 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 the, uh, the, the rocket? Yes, the rocket. The the, the, yes, the, the rocket, the vehicle. Uh, it goes it, it goes up up and then it explodes and it kills all the astronauts and we see that. Yes, there's a great risk that it'll just, as you say, explode and everyone dies and that's the end of book. Yeah. Any other examples of us having absurd desires and we think they're quite reasonable? Haribo? Yes, Prabhu? Um. This isn't a specific example, but it's my favorite uh, expression that Prabhupada uses for this phenomenon. He says in the purport of Nectar Instruction, verse 7, the normal condition is to remain an eternal servant of the Lord. The healthy condition is lost when a living entity forgets Krishna. This world of Maya is called Durashraya, which means false or bad shelter. And then he says, one who puts his faith in Durashraya becomes a candidate for hoping against hope. Thank you. Yes. Yes, that's true. It's like um, we think that we're reasonable and we're entitled to have a desire like that and seek to achieve the goal. But Prabhupada um, does say like when he's giving his arguments and who's crazy, it's like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, trying to remember exactly what he said. But yeah, I'll paraphrase it. Basically, we are in illusion. We are in illusion, and yet we are in a world that basically is Dukalayama Shashvata. Dukalayam, uh, a Shashvatan, temporary and full of miseries. So by nature, the material world is temporary. But yet, we want to enjoy lasting happiness. We want to enjoy Satchitananda in an atmosphere where it does not support that. So th that, that desire is even, we see Dhruva Maharaj's desire was fulfilled, but this desire that we have in our Maya, this desire, it cannot be fulfilled. It's impossible as we see over and over again from experience that we cannot have lasting happiness in a climate that is by nature temporary and full of miseries. So yes, thank you for that.
So I was thinking also from Dhruva Maharaj that there's so much we can gain from every everything about it, every aspect about it. His, the age he's at, the mood he has, that fresh outlook that he has on things where he thinks that nothing is impossible, nothing, nothing is hard to achieve. The child sees like that. He sees the world uh, as his. You know, he's, he can conquer the world. He can get anything he wants. And nothing is impossible. So there's so much faith. And we see Dhruva Maharaja's faith is built also by, um, by intelligence, by reason, uh, according to the training, the molding, and the shaping that he has gotten from his parents. So we, in, our, in our state as adults, that sense of, of wonder and believing that the impossible can be made possible gradually with experience and interaction in the material world, that, that sense of curiosity and wonder kind of withers away and become so attached and absorbed in our daily, daily humdrum routine that we lose that innocence and we become jaded. But when we see, see Dhruva Maharaja's example, you know, he boldly declares and states what he wants and he believes in it. And he sets out in, in great earnest to achieve. It's very inspiring for us. And it helps us to see like, how can I recapture that, that sense of wonder? We are, we always, I always want to do that, that sense of wonder, that appreciation of nature, like he's a nature and he's coming, He's coming in touch with his nature when he engages in devotional service to Krishna. Like, how can we rediscover our real nature or the real child? That real child is the real self. How can we go about rediscovering the real self and become free of all these layers and layers of designations, these upadis, and come in touch with the real self? How can I have like a rebirth? How can I have like a renaissance, right? This is not impossible to achieve. So um, Dhruvan Raj, he shows the way and Bhagavatam shows the way how we can get in touch and reinvent and recapture ourselves. And there's, uh, there's a whole list of things that are recommended in Bhakti Yoga, different, process, different practices in the domain of Bhakti Yoga the yoga of love and devotion with God. So if we study Dhruva Maharaj's uh, story, his narrative, we're seeing that he had a lot of faith. His faith was firm. It was steady. You know, he, he's fixed on the, he, he's unswerving. He's, he, that was proven. He, he didn't waver when Narad Muni came with his tempting advice to him. He did not waver. He stayed fixed, he stayed firm. And um, with what we heard in the previous script of his story, I would like also to ask like, what are some of the things, what are some of the elements here we can see that help to bolster that simple faith that or solidify the faith, the conviction that Dhruva Maharaj is exhibiting here? Can we have some interactive discussion here also? Uh, uh, Master, can, 
can you repeat the question? Oh, what are some what are some of what are some of the positive things that can help to increase and and solidify the faith of Dhruva Maharaj so that he would be so unswerving and unwavering in achieving the goal? It, that's a very important point because we ourselves in our practice as a aspiring spiritualist, our faith sometimes it wavers. You know, we go through different stages. We have doubts and that's natural in the process. So what are some of the ways we can increase our faith? Taking example from Dhruva Maharaj's situation. Hi Krishna. Yes, uh, he, he certainly had um, a level of faith in Narada Muni, you know, in authority. So that's really good. Um, you know, and he was honest with him and straightforward. So um, being, uh, you know, that way with authority is really wonderful. Thank you for that, Nidhupu. Yes, sometimes our faith might just be simple or uninformed, you know, and simple faith like that sometimes it won't endure, it won't last. So then what do we do? We take association, sadhu sangha, you know, there's a Tao Shraddha, that's the faith first. And sadhu sangha helps to bolster that faith by being in association with devotees who have, their faith is steady. And then that influences our faith and our faith can increase in that way. So we see that, as you said, he took shelter of this greatly faithful, level-headed sage, Narad Muni, great devotee who travels all over the world. So he got inspiration from him. He's so fixed in his service. And he got inspiration from his Shiksha Guru also, his mother. And also he grew up in an atmosphere of his great his ancestors he comes from a lineage of devotees so that association of devotees it helps to bolster one's faith any other <clears throat> any other examples of how one's faith can be increased um uh, if i may mataji um the, the word that comes to my mind is discipline uh we see that um Dhruva maharaj uh, he, he had a goal, although it was material, but still uh, he, uh, he presented himself as someone who was there believing in discipline. Th that's why he didn't move away from the association of, of Narada Muni when Narada Muni recommended to him um, uh, instructions which were not there uh, pleasing him. So um, I, I have the, the understanding that discipline and determination, they go hand in hand. Very good point. Thank you, Prabhu. Discipline and determination. We see that in Dhruva Maharaj and that's part of his Kshatriya nature too. They're very disciplined. They're very regimental. You give them something to do that's reasonable and honest, and they will do it. They will deliver to the letter. So Dhruva Maharaj, he, from his, just his very own nature, that helped to increase his faith. And that discipline, he, he saw it also from, from his, the environment he, he's in, he's from. 
he's he's from a Vedic age. He lives in a Vedic world, a society. So he knows that those who take to spiritual life, you know, the yogis, the ascetics, the hermits, uh, all these practitioners, they do the discipline, the yoga. And sometimes children, you know, they imitate what they see, like my granddaughter Vishnu, when she hears the kirtan, she's closing her eyes and she's swaying. Of course, it's a natural bhav from the soul, but she's seen that. She's seen devotees doing that. So <clears throat> the child man, we've seen, he saw that. He wants to imitate it. He wants to do it. He's a chatriya, so he's acting on it. His uh, suffer little children to come unto me it was Christ who said that. And as a child, they have this innocence, this purity. For us, we might think it's funny, you know, it's play, but for them, it's a serious thing. So he wants to act the part, he wants to assume the role of the martial chatriya, and yet his childish nature is there also. So, anything else about how one can increase one's faith? Any other examples? Well, <clears throat> as I stated, um, Dhruvam Raj, he came from a Vedic background and the very age that he lived in facilitated that faith, that level of faith to increase one's faith. <clears throat> This, this story takes place uh, at the beginning of the creation, the golden age, Satya, Satya where people are very virtuous. They're, they're very pious, they're 100% pious, unlike the other ages which progressively uh, virtues decline by 25%. So now in Kali Yuga, piety uh, virtue is at 25%. So, Dhruva Maharaj, he lived in a time where people were 100% pious and virtuous. So that helped also. He's from a family, he's from uh, uh, an environment, the ethos, the ethos of the age where people are, their faith, their faith is steadier, their faith is firmer. And also we see another important point that yes, he had the faith, and the faith was strengthened by the, the sadhu association and the very environment and ethos of the age, but also he acted on the faith. It was not just theoretical, because we're seeing here that he's stating very uh, boldly, saying, I want the best, I want something nobody else ever has, you know, but also he's, he's seeking the means, so he wants practical application of it. So we can take from that also that we have desires, we have huge desires that are as huge as Dhruva Maharaj. It's like a, a bhakti yogi, they're aspiring, like they want something that nobody else, but they, they're the most ambitious people in the world. It, it's not that they're, uh, it, it's not materialistic, but yet it is, their desire is greater. It, it's vaster. Their desire is, I want to connect with God. I want to be intimate with God. I want to be a lover of God. That's a huge desire. 
I want to be face to face with God. I want to serve God in loving devotional service, you know? So this, this example of Dhruva Maharaj, it helps us, it inspires us also. Yes, we want those things. That's what we want. But we also have to act on it. So that's why Prabhupada said, real faith comes from, is followed by activity that is pleasing to Krishna. So you're seeing Dhruva Maharaj, yes, he had this extravagant desire and he wants to act on it. He wants to fulfill it actively. He's not passive and just, oh, it's just wishful thinking, but I'm not qualified enough. It's Kali Yuga and all these different arguments, all this rationalizing we give ourselves, but he's moving forward. He's proceeding very positively and he, he's taking all the help he can get. So similarly, we can take, we can actually take uh, lessons from Dhruva Maharaj that we want to achieve to go, I want to be a love of God. I want to serve the Lord with love and devotion. I, I want to actually establish that link again with Krishna. So we take that example. We have the desire and then we actively work upon it. And how can we work upon it? There's <clears throat> diverse ways. There's so many things we can do to strengthen our faith and, and conviction and <clears throat> actually reestablish that relationship with Krishna. Our faith, it can be informed, you know, it can be bolstered by philosophy. So we can take the association of the devotees and study, study the scriptures and learn, learn about Krishna. Learn about Krishna, learn what he wants, what's the process he recommends for this age. In this age, it is recommended by Krishna's avatar, uh, Lord Chaitanya, that the prescribed method of pleasing Krishna in this age is the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Chant, chant Hare Krishna constantly. Chant Hare Krishna. Study the, uh, uh, the scriptures, Shastric study in the association with, with the devotees. So, in that way, Krishna becomes more real. As Prabhupada said, we should at least know some basic, we should have some basic knowledge of the characteristics of God. So we engage in study, we engage in association with those who can boost our spiritual morale, you know, Shastric study and so on. And then we practically apply all this knowledge that we have amassed in our devotional service. So we perform devotional service in a very conscientious, philosophical manner. And that way our faith will increase and we will gradually, gradually, Prabhupada says, achieve that what seems like an impossible goal. So I'll stop here if there are any questions, comments, or discussion. Uh, I, I have, Mataji, I have a question, but if a senior devotee uh, wants to go first, I can wait. Please go for it. So uh, my question is related to the following passage present uh, in the purport. 
and I quote, he wanted to take advantage of Narada Muni's presence because he knew very well that if Narada Muni, the greatest devotee of Lord Krishna, could bless him or show him the path, then certainly he would be able to occupy a more exalted position than any person within the three worlds. Thus, he wanted help from Naradaji to achieve that position." End quote. So my question is related to the relationship between guru and disciple. And, and the question is as follows. Um, is it that when, uh, while the relationship between the disciple and the spiritual master develops, um, is it that it happens uh, for my material desires present in my heart uh, to, to, be, to gradually become fulfilled um, uh, side by side with my spiritual desires? Or is it that because of the mercy of the Guru, my material desires, they disappear from my heart? Because I'm asking this question because at the very end of, of this story related to Dhruva Maharaj, he gets a, a planet uh, uh, to govern. So I need to know if my material desires, uh, while I, I'm, I'm serving my spiritual master, will uh, become fulfilled uh, side by side with my spiritual desires. Or is it that because of the mercy of the Guru, my material desires will disappear from my heart. We do come with our baggage when we take the devotional service. And even when we, we want to accept a guru and get initiation, those desires, they don't go away immediately. So our devotional service is mixed as Kapila did. He said in the previous guitar, there's material, there's devotional service as tinged by the modes of material nature, tinged by goodness, passion, and ignorance. So we do commit our material desires, but if we have any sincerity at all, we're hoping by accepting a spiritual master and getting the mercy of the spiritual master and guidance from him as to how to live a life in bhakti yoga, we're hoping that these uh, material desires, if we are, do have some degree of sincerity, they will decrease, they will decrease and they'll go away and eventually we'll become pure devotees of the Lord. So our desires there, uh, the nature of our desires, of course, we're not fanatics that we don't want to get our basic material necessities. We don't want to be fanatical and uh, unintelligent in that manner. We do have basic, uh, basic necessities to be met, taking care of our psychophysical needs. So we would like that because if we don't get that, then it can be a distraction in the practice of Krishna consciousness. And it can take away, it can subtract from our uh, fuller absorption in Krishna consciousness. So we want, we want to take, take care, we want to strike a nice balance between uh, you know, a holistic balance, taking care of our all-round needs, the holistic self. 
So it's uh, on our part, learning learning the philosophy and being guided by our mentors uh, as to what is favorable, what to accept, and what is unfavorable, what to reject. So we have the mercy of the devotees, the mercy of the sadhus, the guidance of the guru, and also our willingness to submit to the guidance of our mentors. Anyone? Uh, 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 Paramesh Paramataji, thank you for your wonderful answer. Hare Krishna. Yeah. Anyone else would like to add anything? Um, Mataji, Vrinda Devi is uh, asking me to read um, uh, what was posted on the chat box. What? I didn't hear the end part, Prabhu. On the chat box, there are comments, and uh, Brinda Mataji asked me to read it. Yes, please do. Thank you. So the first one is from Facebook. Sardar Medley uh, says, Dhruva has faith in the mantra Narada gives him and chants with great absorption. Reply 1M, Sardar Medley. In Christianity, it is said, with God, all things are possible. Srila Prabhupada said, quote, impossible is a word in a full dictionary, end quote. Dhruva's faith in his mother, Suniti's words, and Narada was strong. Uh, yes, um, these are the comments. Thank you, Prabhu. Yes, I like that where, you know, it said that he took Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevai, he took it, he took it very, um, very innocently, you know, the child, you say, you do this, and this will be the result. So that child part of me took it, he took the Mahamantra, he took his Mahamantra, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevai, and he put his everything with his little self, his little body, and so everything into into it, no distract, distraction, just uh, unswerving in his focus and his meditation. So that also is a source of great inspiration for us when we are chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra. If we could have a little, just a little drop of that focus that he had, you know, what could we achieve? That love of God. So yeah, he had full faith in in the giver of the the mantra and the mantra itself, he had so much faith that attracted the attention of Vishnu. Anything else? One more comment or reflection. If not, I guess we can end here. Thank you very much. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Thank you.